a baseball game was played on Monday. There are, in all seriousness, there are, you know, we talk a lot about how games, it was so bad, there's nothing to take from it. I think there's a lot to discuss in this game, despite it being a 9-3 to loss in August to a much better team. All right, so let's talk about it all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Tuesday, August 8th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All righty, everyone. Well, uh, <laughs> the Tigers did play a baseball game. The final score would be 9-3 to three in favor of the Minnesota Twins. Um, this game was dreadful. Uh, watching all nine in- innings of this game should you should receive financial compensation that I mean this was uh, a, a brutal performance by your Detroit Tigers um, I, I do in all seriousness I, I'm very honest about the times when games are so bad that there is nothing to take from them I actually do think that there is a lot of discussion around this team I think that there's uh, or this game rather I, I really do think that there's conversations to be had here and if we have time at the end we'll talk a little bit about the newest addition of the Detroit Tigers 40 man the Tigers making another waiver claim as they have uh, been so fond of making waiver claims in the Scott Harris era so let's I guess we'll have to start with Joey Wentz because that's the biggest reason that this number is so crooked I mean there's really no way around it to be fair the offense was awful too right like we we shouldn't we, we, we shouldn't just give the offense a pass just because Joey Wentz was, was struggled mightily in this ballgame. This was a shutout for 26 outs, right? They, they With two outs in the bottom of the ninth, Nick Maton hit a homer. Like, um, the, the, the offense did not show up either. Uh, but we will talk about the offense later in the show. I, I want to start with Joey Wentz because I have no idea how long this conversation is going to last. It could be two minutes. It could be 20 minutes. So I, I just want to I want to start with him and then we'll kind of gauge where we're at at the end of this conversation. And, and uh, it'll determine how much time we have for everything else on the docket. So Joey Wentz, I mean, this is obviously not a good performance. Three innings, 10 hits, eight earned runs, one walk, two strikeouts, two home runs against his ERA. And the season is now seven. It's been very well documented and and just seen his struggles this season. And it's fascinating because, and and I'm not trying to be like an apologist. He, he, I mean, he hasn't been good. And I think he would tell you that just like anybody else would. So I'm, I'm not trying to like jump in front of arrows headed his way or anything, but last season, there was a lot of people that were legitimately excited about Joey Wentz, myself included. His September last year was phenomenal. And I know it's one month. It's like five or six starts that he made, but they were all really, really solid. And just his development path, he went, and we've kind of talked about this on the show before as well, went from pretty decent prospect when we first traded for him 
to uh, injury, kind of forgotten about, came back, wasn't stellar, developed a cutter, turned into stellar. Then that translated into the last, you know, four to six weeks of a major league product, right? And so a lot of people were really, really excited about Joey Wentz this year. Not that he was ever on the same level as like Mize Manning Scooble. Um, but I, I mean, he, he really had kind of etched out a name for himself and this season has been beyond dreadful. I, I mean, if, if you go, you can go to baseball reference and just look at his game logs, just look at all of his starts. Uh, he's only had one outing, not like start necessarily. Like he came out of the pen in this outing I'm about to refer to and not like no innings limit, like whatever, just He's only had one outing all season where he has not given up any runs. One. And it just happened against the Marlins a week ago. So uh, I'm pretty sure he has one quality start all season. I think he went six innings, two runs, or six innings, one earned run maybe about a month ago. It was definitely in June. So like he, 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 I mean, again, very clearly documented struggles. And so you try to find the differences between what was working in 2022 that hasn't been working in 2023. And the biggest difference, I tweeted this out or posted it out on X, whatever the heck the website's called now. Um, I, I put this out there. His four-seam fastball this year has not only been bad, it has legitimately been one of the worst pitches in the entire sport. If you use baseball savant, which I highly encourage anybody who is attempting to learn more about the game of baseball, period, if you're really into numbers and analytics, baseball savant is awesome. Um, If you look at baseball savant and look at Joey Wentz's baseball savant page, you can see run value based on each individual pitch he throws. He has four pitches recorded this year. Fastball, cutter, curveball, changeup, right? The three non-four-seam fastball pitches are really not bad. They're not fantastic. None of them are unbelievably amazing. But like the curveball has been a legitimate plus pitch according to run value on Baseball Savant's formula. And the cutter has been around zero. And the changeup has been around zero. Uh, All three of those pitches range from negative three to positive three, as far as run value goes. If you're close to zero, you you know, you're not talking about a super effective pitch. It probably gets hit hard sometimes, but it it has the ability to get swings and misses or whatnot. All right. His four-seam fastball going into this outing, before it got absolutely clobbered for three innings, was at a negative 13 run value. That is in the bottom nine four-seam fastballs in the entire game of baseball. That's obviously dreadful. If you look at the batting average against it, it's like 350. If you look at the slug against it, it's in the mid-600s. You add those together, that's not even including like the walks that are drawn from it, which I can't imagine there's that many. I think everybody just crushes it. But if you just put those two together, you're talking about a makeshift OPS that is legitimately near a thousand. You're talking about like basically every time he throws his fastball, the 
batter in the batter's box, no matter how good or bad they are, turns into like prime Miguel Cabrera. So it's a problem. And last year, it was a plus pitch. It was not some wildly ineffective pitch. And the cutter that he added, we talk all the time about the fact that a cutter is a variation of a fastball. The cutter that he has tops out at like 86, 87 miles an hour. The fastball is like 92, 93. So you can't just like drop the four seam fastball and, oh, I'll just use the cutter as my heater. It's not fast enough. An 86 mile an hour cutter is not going to set up your secondary pitches when your changeup is the same speed as your cutter. So he has a huge issue in front of him where he has nothing to set up his three average pitches. And average is not negative connotation, especially not when you have one of the worst pitches in baseball that we're comparing it to. You were about somewhere between negative three and positive three in run value between all four of your pitches. You'd be talking about a, you know, around league average pitcher. I think that would be very welcomed to be added into this rotation and give you legitimate innings. So the issue Joey Wentz has, it's, it's not, you know, people just look at final lines and go like, oh, well, this dude just sucks. And that's all there is to it. He's not just like everything he puts up there is just absolutely unusable. He has the ability, I mean, again, his career completely changed trajectory-wise when he added the cutter. It has the ability to be a plus pitch. But none of that matters if the only pitch you have that's above 88 miles an hour is basically unthrowable because it's a guaranteed extra base hit. So that's kind of the, the the quick rundown of that. We'll talk a little bit more about Wentz on the other side of the break. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at BetterHelp. Sometimes in life, we are faced with tough choices and the path forward isn't always clear. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected with what you really want while you navigate life. So you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything the more you practice it, the easier it gets. I'm very vocal about my experience with therapy. I've been going for over five years now, which seems super crazy. Um, and when I first started therapy, we can get really deep for a second. I did not tell my therapist anything. Uh, I, that is not something I was comfortable with. It's not something that I wanted to do. I was paying this woman to basically just like watch paint dry with me uh, every week for the like two months and then one day I finally realized this is just a waste of money. You might as well try it. Finally opened up a little bit. And now therapy, I end every throw, show with going to therapy is dope for a reason. I think it's a life-changing thing that everybody should uh, at least consider, if not try. Uh, so you just learn more about yourself. Even if your life is good and you're happy, can't hurt to learn more about yourself. So let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MLB today and get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash MLB. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Uh, shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day, especially after we get clobbered nine to three by the Minnesota Twins. Um, I, I, if you haven't noticed, I'm definitely, 
again, like I, I will not allow myself to get red in the face mad over losses in August when we're 14 games under 500. I, I don't think anyone should. Um, but that being said, that doesn't mean that this is just the last two months don't matter either. So much matters, which is why I, even in when this is happening, you will still find me watching all nine innings of these baseball games because um, th- there's a lot still to take from them. And sometimes there's not going to be. We're going to lose 15 to nothing at some point. There's going to be nothing to take from it. But I do think that there's actually a lot still to take from this game. Um, so Joey Wentz, we talked about the fastball. Command is obviously part of that, um, but this goes beyond command. Like th- th- that's a that's a big enough change where that's beyond just like, oh, his command kind of like it, it sucks now or whatnot. That it, It's more than that. And again, not that it's pinpoint, but like you even see fastballs that are outside of the strike zone get absolutely crushed. One of the home runs in this game was a fastball that was up and away out of the zone, just absolutely cranked to right field from a right-handed hitter at that, Apo Taco. Um, I want to bring up something that uh, Jerry on on Twitter, who's a fantastic follow, by the way. If you're a Tigers fan, you like numbers. Um, His at is at OPS in Heimer, which is also a very creative and funny uh, Twitter app. But, I mean, this is seriously, this is one of the best follows, in my opinion, on Tigers Twitter. And he pointed out, uh, I tweeted something about Wentz's four-seam fastball, and he pointed out that last season, the Tigers' four-seam fastball run value as a team was a negative 20, but Wentz and Matt Mannings was plus 9.3. Those two had really, really good fastballs. 2023, the Tigers staff as a whole has a plus 7.1 run value on four-seam fastballs. Manning and Wentz combined negative 14 almost, negative 13.8. So in a, in a season in which so many players have seen their four-seam fastball take huge steps in the right direction, for whatever reason, Matt Manning and Joey Wentz did the exact opposite. And that is why we bring up all the time how important fastball command is and fastball effectiveness is for Matt Manning. And it's looking to be like a rather similar conversation to Joey Wentz. What to do with him? I've been asked a lot. Uh, look, I don't think it's healthy for anybody to just go out there and give up eight runs every time out. I don't think they're going to be quick to send him down. Um, not that he's been like, you know, Greg Maddox down in triple a, but there's only so much like, Oh, you get sent down, you do well, you come back up, you get rocked. That's like beneficial. At some point you got to prove that you are a major league pitcher and not just, I'm not a triple a pitcher. There's a huge difference between those two things. And that's where, where, where the crowd is thinned a lot in player development. Huge difference between not being a triple-A player and actually being a Major League Baseball player. And you can only prove that you are a Major League Baseball player by going out there. Now, he's had a big enough sample size. Some people are just going to look at this and be like, he's not, dude. And I, I don't blame you for feeling that way. But it's it's not all, but so much of it is just based on one pitch that – in the last two months of the season, if they want to keep working with him, maybe move him to the bullpen. He did well in Miami when he was coming out of the bullpen. It's his best outing of the year. Was he being like the piggyback, you know, opener, and then it gets passed to Joey Wentz. Maybe that is what you end up doing. 
But honestly, like weird as weird as it sounds, I, I think you kind of just have to keep letting him face major league hitters to some extent. Maybe that's not starting anymore, but I I don't know. If he gets sent down, I'm not going to be like, oh, this is so dumb. Like, sure, go for it. But at some point, you got to prove that you're a major leaguer, and that's by facing major leaguers. So we'll see what happens. Um, let's move on. That's the end of the Joey Wentz kind of uh, rant that I had. So we can kind of go to the rest of the game here. Um, the lineup in this game was interesting to me because the Tigers just cannot find a good leadoff hitter. When's the last time we had a good leadoff hitter? Was it Ian Kinsler? Probably, right? And Ian, even Ian Kinsler wasn't like the greatest leadoff hitter of all time by the time he had gotten to Detroit. He was a great setup man for that lineup. But I think in today's day and age, maybe he'd be more of a more of a two or even a five hitter. But I think that that's the last time. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. Maybe I'm wrong. And so I'm sure somebody will... will um, point out anybody that I might be missing but like this team has gone a long time without a legitimate leadoff hitter and I think that the production they have gotten from the leadoff spot this year is pathetic they tried Maton there they've tried Badu there they put McKinstry out there all the time he had a really good May and that's it um like I I mean this is (laughs) a long time without a legitimate leadoff threat in this lineup and then Matt Veerling batting third I, I it's I'm sure that they saw something in the matchup that made sense to this. I'm not saying that this is like dumb or anything. Uh, Matt Veerling went one for four. He's a 267 average, which is not bad. He has a 711 OPS. He doesn't walk and he's not fond of extra base hits. So uh I, I mean that's a below league average OPS in your three spot. And like Torkelson has a 699. I I <laughs> Not that he's like overwhelmingly deserving of being the three hitter either. He has been right back to square one struggling since the all-star break. And that's something that I feel like maybe I have not uh, shed enough light on or has kind of been overlooked to me because I think there's been bigger storylines. But let's let's air it now. He's been right back to struggling ever since the, the all-star break. That's like a decent, that's what, two, three weeks now? Three weeks? That's a pretty legitimate sample size. And so I, I, I'm not like, oh, Veerling in the three spot. That's so dumb. Who else are we going to put there? That that Matt Veerling's 711 OPS was the third best OPS in this lineup. <laughs> Riley Green should be the two hitter every night. Kerry Carpenter should be, well, I guess that makes Veerling the fourth best OPS on the team. Point remains. Kerry Carpenter should be in the top four, probably. He batted fifth in this game for whatever reason. But, like, I, <laughs> I looked at it and I was like, well, that's weird. And then I was like, well, actually, I forget how bad this lineup is still. And here we are. Um, I also want to talk about uh, – let, let's talk a little bit about the offense, then we'll talk about the defensive side of things. We have to have an Alex Lane conversation yet again, which I'm not looking forward to, but – we have to do. So uh, let's get into the rest of the ball game here right after I tell y'all about our friends over at eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. And it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. The first time around as well. 
You go to eBay Guaranteed Fit and make sure that your that your part fits right. You can look for the green check mark and just add it to my garage and you will know that it will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And now with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right part is guaranteed. To get the right parts, the right fit, and the right price, on ebaymotors.com, let's ride. eBay guarantee if it is only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Uh, segment three, third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. Okay, so we've talked about the lineup. We spent a lot of time on Joey Wenz. I know it's a lot of time on a dude that has a, a an ERA over seven, but I think that there's a lot of questions being asked about why he's still here, why he's struggling, et cetera, and I felt the need to go over it. Um, let's talk about, well, there's the offense in general. They didn't really show up today. Nick Maton hit a home run off a fastball. You know, I, I actually do like to see that um, just because – Early on in the season, it was he can't hit a breaking ball. And then he like tried to hit breaking balls so much, then he stopped hitting fastballs too, and he just couldn't hit anything. So I'll just take any hits from Nick Maton at this point. Um, he goes yard, obviously. His average is 177, which is I'm not going to try to convince you is good. The OPS is 612 on the season, which I'm also not going to convince you is good. Um, so we'll, we'll – <laughs> We're going to have to have a conversation about uh, the Soto trade. We'll save that for the offseason. Uh, we'll do a whole – the offseason, we're going to have a lot of conversations, okay, because we learned a lot this season. And that, I think, was the goal of this season, to be fair. But uh, we certainly learned a lot. And uh, the fact that this team doesn't have a third baseman, period, is certainly something that we learned. And uh, Nick made – I know he played second in this game, but the point still remains. Matt Veerling played third. Is there anything else I want to talk about offensively? Kerry Carpenter, two knocks. Good to see. Average back over 270, OPS over 800. He continues to be good. Um, he went through a little bit of a rough patch for a couple of weeks. A little bit. Slowed down a hair. And now it seems like in the last uh, two or three games, he's kind of been back on the horse. So that's good to see. I, I mean, after that, man, like Zach McKinstry with a hit, cool. Like his, his stats since June 1st are awful. Um, Spencer Torkelson, Ofer again, OPS back under 700. Like, uh, we're just, we're, we're begging for some consistency here. And we have yet to see that even remotely from him. Akil Badu, Ofer his, you want to talk about stats that have been really bad since June 1st. Certainly Akil Badu is in that conversation as well. Riley Green with a couple of hits, uh, which is nice to see because he actually struggled for like the first time all season. Uh, over a series stretch. He struggled against Tampa, so nice to see him get a couple of knocks. That's really it. Uh, this offense didn't really show up to play. They, they Again, they got shut out for 26 outs, so not, not great. Um, let's talk about defensively. The only other thing I really want to talk about with defensively is that Matt Veerling played third base, and this is something that back in March I wanted to see more of. Um, and not that I ever think Matt Beerling is going to be a plus defender at third base. Okay. I, I want to make that very clear. I'm not like putting my neck out there to be like, Matt Beerling is the third baseman of the future. Um, I, I'm not even sure he's a starting outfielder on like a truly competitive team. But, um, I, I think that this dude has tools 
And like we've seen players come through this system before that have tools. And I just I, I I'm desperate for a coaching staff that that uh, at the major league level that can help develop these tools. Matt Veerling is an uber athlete that runs very fast. He has a decent arm um, and he, he has the ability to play a bunch of different positions, wreak havoc on the base paths. Um, make contact with the ball, even if it's not super hard or in the air, put the ball in play, you know, make stuff happen. He, he has tools that you like and that you can build a solid major league player around. It's, it's about giving him the opportunity to do that and developing him to be a more well-rounded player than he is currently. Again, it, it's sad because he's been one of the best hitters on the team, he is really not even particularly close to even a league average OPS at the moment. So back to the main point, ADHD moment there. Playing him at third, I have wanted to see because I just want to give people an opportunity. Again, we do not have a third baseman. Nick Maton, everyone's distracted about Nick Maton struggling at the plate. He has been one of the worst defensive third basemen in baseball as well. Okay, like not a whole lot going right, unfortunately, for Maton. Um, Andy Abanez is not a part of this team's future. Zach Short, not a long term piece to this team. Like they, Zach McKinstry, not a long term piece. Like they don't have anyone on this major league roster that you're like, oh, yeah, this dude's going to be on this team and getting legitimate looks at third base for even next year, nonetheless, two, three years from now. So why not put Matt Veerling, who has played third? in the minors, and even at the major league level for the Phillies as recently as last season, give him some reps there. He had one backhanded play that hit off the heel of his hand, bounced away, couldn't make a play. It was going to be a close call, even if he did make the play. But I'm I, I'm frustrated it took until August, but I am glad that we are finally getting an opportunity to see like, hey, this dude's tooled up and has the ability to be a pretty darn good player, let's just put him in situations where he can actually utilize and show off some of those tools. And again, not saying he's ever going to be an everyday third baseman, but if he can be a utility guy that can play six different positions and have an OPS over 700 and be really fast, there's always going to be a spot for that on a Major League Baseball team, a good Major League Baseball team at that. Just want people to give opportunities, and I just want my promise that was given to this fan base of earmarking at-bats for, for young players to actually be upheld. And I think that Veerling at third falls under that umbrella, even if it's not like some revolutionary thing and he's going to be, you know, like Brandon Inge over at third base. I know some people don't like Brandon Inge. He was good defensively, whether you like him or not. Okay, cool. Let's talk about Alex Lang. Uh, Alex Lang pitched in this ball game. I love the managerial decision to go to Alex Lang in this game. Low leverage. Doesn't matter what you do because we're not winning. Um, sent him out there against a decent offense. That's not too good. Uh, and again, the lowest leverage situation you can possibly have is pretty much in a nine, nothing ball game. Doesn't matter how many more runs you give up there. <laughs> we're, we're already down big. Okay. So he goes out there. He goes one inning, no hits. And that's the end of the good conversation. One run, three walks, three strikeouts. This was mind-boggling. This was a wild performance. Not a single ball was put in play. However, a run scored and he struck out the side. Like, th that, that is a testament to 
two things. One, the the nastiness of his stuff, and also how just brutal his command is at the moment. He hit a batter as well. Three walks doesn't include the hit by pitch, which was that was with the bases loaded. That's what scored the run, right? So, again, in the lowest of leverage of situations, he is still, if you count a hit by pitch as a walk, just for the sake of argument, walked four batters in this game, three in his last outing, and three in the outing before that. That's nine walks, and again, with a hit by pitch, in his last three outings. His walk rate is through the roof. Okay, let's play a little game. You guys want to play a game? Let's play a game really quickly. That's just going to make people so, so happy. We're going to go to our favorite website, Baseball Reference, and we're going to look up Alex Lang. Okay. Actually, you know what? Let's go to fan graphs so that we can see the percentages and not the per nine. Okay. Alex Lang, currently on the season, has a walk percentage of, drum roll please, okay, that's walk per nine. He has a walk per nine of 6.95, and I'm not sure that that is with uh, tonight mixed in there. He has a walk rate of 17.4%, okay? Now we're going to do a fun thing, and we're going to search up Gregory Soto, okay? You might have heard of him before. He has a walk per nine this year. This is hilarious of 3.53, which is obviously less about half of what that is. His walk rate on the year is a 9.4%. It's not fantastic. Still worse than league average. But even if you go back to Gregory Soto's Tigers career, when everyone was furious about how often he was walking people and hitting batters and allowing base runners, Gregory Soto's walk percentage by year, 12%, 13.3%, 14.5%, 12.9%, and then this year, 9.4%. Basically, what I'm trying to say is Alex Lang this season has been, I mean, like, significantly. Like, that that's that's 25 to 3% worse than Gregory Soto's worst season when it comes to walking batters. That is your current closer? I think not. In the lowest leverage situation you possibly had, he still blew up. There's no way the next time the Tigers are winning by one or two runs in the ninth inning that you can possibly justify sending that dude out there. Hopefully he works on it. Hopefully he he makes adjustments. Fetter and whatnot work on him. And he can come back either in September if he has a really good, like he turns it around once he gets given the seventh inning or next season. If you want to reevaluate, that's fine. That's baseball. You're constantly adjusting, but you're constantly adjusting. And this is an adjustment you need to make. Okay. The rest of the bullpen really quickly. And then we'll let you all out of here. Uh, Bo Brisky, I thought looked pretty solid. Didn't have a ton of swing and miss stuff. No strikeouts, but also no walks. The fastball command, he was riding a little high on the heater early in the outing. But by the end, I think he calmed down and looked pretty good. Tyler Holton, one inning of perfect ball. Let me know if you've heard that before. 1.91 ERA on the season now. Jason Foley, one inning, one hit, one walk, two strikeouts. Um, You know, again, Foley... 
uh, you got to use them because you don't want him to go like four days without throwing. Um, but it, it, I almost feel like the, the command issues he has had lately are because of being overworked. I would not mind giving Foley like three, four, five days off, then giving him a low leverage situation to work back in it, and then giving him back to the high leverage. Now, you really can't afford to do that because we don't have any, haven't had any off days in a while. You don't have any off days coming up. And he's your, I mean, arguably your highest leverage reliever at the moment. So you can't just be like, oh, Lang is, you can't play both ways to like contradict myself. You can't have Lang take him away from the highest leverage situation and just give Foley a bunch of time off. But um, his command has like objectively been worse over the last like two weeks now, maybe closer to a week and a half uh, than it has been all season. Uh, but the stuff is still great and whatnot. So it's not an arm thing. It just might be a little bit of, uh, I don't know, the sinkers find a little bit more of the zone lately. Um, and then Zach Short, another shutout inning. He has a 1-8 ERA on the season. Shout out Zach Short. There you go. So there's analysis of a game in which a position player pitched and the Tigers were down nine for a majority of it. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every single day. Free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team. Every day, shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow recapping game two against the Minnesota Twins. I will be in attendance for this game. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, it's going to be Eduardo Rodriguez against Sonny Gray. Hopefully that's a decent pitching matchup. Eduardo Rodriguez is ERA in the season, actually less than Sonny Gray, who two months into the year was like a Cy Young candidate. I guess Erod was too. Um, so yeah, should be a decent pitching matchup, hopefully. Fingers crossed, knock on wood. Hopefully it's not a 9-3 to game again. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. I'll catch you all then, baby. Go Tigers.